I just got done recording with my good buddy, Trey, and wow, what a chat. This dude is such a natural speaker. He's definitely put a lot of thought into what he wants to share with you guys, and, and it, it definitely shows we talk about so much stuff. And before I get into kind of the specifics, I want to say that this is a pretty good job of kind of embodying what talking shop means. Basically just sharing experiences, how they help shape our lenses and how we see the world, how we interpret problems and so on and so forth. And, and in our talk, I try to bring it you know, full circle and, and what you, the listener, can get out of it. So, so we talk about bringing research to real life. We talk about sleeping. We talk about soccer. We talk about Twitter. We talk about uh, marathons and everything. And super interesting dude. Super interesting chat. I enjoyed it a lot. I got a lot out of it. And I think you will too. So just really good, genuine conversation. And I don't want don't to give all of our secrets away, but uh, a variety of topics. And I, I hope you're going to enjoy it. Let's get it going. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here attempting to capture an audio form lessons and experiences about everything within sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Tometz. On my podcast, I try to get at the why and the how instead of specifically the what by trying to show what makes people's unique lenses in which they see the world of sports performance and professional development their own lens. If I can get you to view and think about your job, life, problems a little differently than I've done my job. I make the content, you consume it, so I can only improve it with your feedback. If you have any suggestions for future shows, questions, or comments, please feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Coach Big Toe. That's Coach B-I-G-T-O-E. I'm excited to share this episode with you because we can all get better together. All right, here we are with Trey. Wow, Trey Osterholt, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you this morning? Big toe, oh, toe mats. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. A little tired, but a little tired. It's okay. So, uh, it's a little funny story for the listeners. Uh, I made this podcast. I don't know a little bit ago, and then Trey slides in my DMs like like the goon he is, and goes, "Yo, dude, this podcast is awesome." And I was like, "Yo, dude, you want to be on it?" And here we are now. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. I mean, I, it's also just kind of crazy how I think we met in the first place. I don't know if you remember this at all. Uh, do, do you remember I think this? It was just like, I thought it was just uh, in just an undergrad class, and then we just had more. Yeah, we just like happened to sit next to each other in uh, the new intro nutrition class that I taught by uh, Liz Jorn. Uh, Liz. It was a wonderful place, but I, I was fortunate enough to sit next to you and uh, another friend you should go on the show, Brendan Tremble. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, it's just kind of fun, like, getting to know you randomly, because I was, like, a junior coming in. I switched majors halfway through college. It's never too late to switch. And it was just kind of fun meeting you and getting to know you through this, like, general experience. Yeah, I remember you were friends with Brendan, and obviously he was my teammate. And then I want to say you knew Michaela Mooney, right? I got to know her through you guys, actually. I knew oh, not okay. a soul in exercise science, and then just by happening to sit next to you and Brendan, I kind of got to know random people. Yeah. But I pretty much yeah, finished that like, major in two years. Dang, so I like, get to know a lot of people below me, like class-wise. Yeah, that's crazy. 
Yeah, know? I was like, damn, who's this smart science kid making me feel bad about myself? <sighs> hey, we we both got A's in there, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. That's all that matters. Uh, not the most difficult class, but we got the job done. <laughs> we got the job done. I took advanced nutrition. Did you ever take that one? No, with Steiner? Yeah. No, I did not. Okay. All good. All good. Okay. So what questions do you have for me? All right. So if the world doesn't know who you are, uh, would you mind telling them a little bit about your background situation? Sure. Glad to. So, hey, my name is Trey Osterholt. Uh, I went to college with Matt also at Truman State University. It's a small little school in the middle of nowhere, uh, Missouri, which is wonderful. And I have a bachelor's of science in exercise science, and I have minors in biology and psychology. I have my, was that certified exercise physiology certification through the EPC. American College of Sports Medicine, EPC. And currently I'm working at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, as an ERDA. It's kind of like a training position in science where I work in the human motor control section. So we really focus on neurology and movement disorders that people have, but it's really just a good way to learn a bunch about science research and different experimental modalities. So generally my day is working with electromyography, which you might be familiar with, and a bunch of other like um, modalities to like judge movement pretty much. So, and so mm -hmm. I, I can see a little bit of research for grad school. But the NIH is a big deal, right? It is. So it's uh, the largest like bio uh, research organization in the world, I believe. Um, it's like thirty six billion of government funding. Um, only ten percent of it's actually located in here, where I work in Bethesda, Maryland, and the rest of it's scattered throughout the U.S. and pays for all the research at every university in the U.S. pretty much. And uh -huh. it's pretty much it's a free clinic where you come and you see the doctors, or they're doing the research there. And we just want to study the most bizarre kind of conditions out there and help those people and help them find solutions. Cool. Just wanted And to... for anyone out there, yeah, just to plug a hole on the ERDA thingy really quick, it's ERDA, the Intramural Research Training Award. Um, if you are graduating from undergrad or something and you want like a way to do research afterwards, it's a great thing. You get to come to the East Coast and they pay you. So highly recommend yeah. applying to that position. IRTA? IRTA, just Google NIH postback IRTA, Intramural Research Training Award. All right, I'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, for sure. And then, so the human motor control section, you got electrophys, mm -hmm. so obviously smart dude over here. But what does that mean eh. on a daily basis? Like, obviously, like, I know what sure. human motor control is, I know what electrophys is, you know, but like, when you wake mm -hmm. up, what you're going to do you know, tomorrow or Monday or whatever. So the time you go to bed, like, sure, what, sure, sure. what does that mean? So, I mean, I guess as far as the research that I'm working in specifically is with those with tremor disorders. So clearly something's not going right in the brain. If you are having like bad handshaking and whatnot, we're trying to explore what's actually going on with the neural mechanisms there. And in general, we're just trying to understand everything about the brain and how it helps you move. So um, I know you're on the edge of trying to push people to like their absolute maximum. I'm on the complete opposite end, I would say, where we're sort of trying to help people get to like a normal functioning because they're not necessarily there. So uh, I study specifically essential tremor, which is, it affects 1% of the population, just no one knows about it. And it's like whenever you reach towards an object, your hands shake pretty immensely. Um, I also study Parkinson's, which is, uh, most people know about, and it involves, you know, handshaking generally at rest, but there's a lot of other symptoms that can go on there, such as like you might have freezing of gait where you literally can't begin walking. 
So there's a lot of crazy things going on there that can help us study the brain and just help us explore that better. And to do that, we're using a bunch of techniques like electromyography, as I said. So that's what we're going to do is place those electrodes on the muscles. And we're going to analyze the signal for different frequencies that are going on in there. In addition to that, we're using brain stimulation through transcranial magnetic stimulation, which can like help reset the brain. That's actually become really popular recently by a few products out there where they're trying to like you put on a cap and it's going to stimulate your brain and they claim it'll help you learn motor things better because it's simulating motor cortex. I'm very skeptical of those products. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Uh, like Omega Wave? I have probably, that sounds like it. it's a little thing you wear on your head and they claim wear it for 10 minutes and then go to your motor activity and you'll learn it better. Uh, no, Omega Wave is more of okay. like an assessment tool. Okay, yeah, probably not that. But there's a lot, a lot of products popping up in the market about this stuff. So just kind of be skeptical about it. Gotcha. Um, and then we're also working a lot with, um, are you familiar with TENS, T-E-N-S? No. There's a little electrodes, like stimulator for rehab they put on. Sometimes the physical therapist puts it on you. Okay. Um, it just kind of like stimulates your muscles and helps relax. And we work with that, but it's at a higher frequency and intensity to try to help with different nerve disorder tremor issues. Um, so in an average day, you know, I'm seeing patients with our physicians, um, helping organize visits, doing a bunch of scales, and then doing all these clinical testing with like EMG, uh, it's transcranial magnetic stimulation and a bunch of other modalities like that. Gotcha. So the two things I want to just put out there. So I yeah. think that that's a super interesting point that it's, it's the same problem, but a different problem. So we're all trying to enhance performance, but, but my average listener, I'd say, is going from normal functioning to optimal, and you're going from suboptimal mm -hmm. to normal functioning. Um, and then the second point I want to put out there is if the listener is still with me or us, uh, I asked Trey that question to kind of just give some context about his situation. We're not going to get into the, the nitty gritty, you know, like that, that sounds super interesting, but um, for the scope of this podcast, him and I will be discussing kind of what you can get out of his experiences. So I know that there were a lot of big words thrown around and not everyone has that phys background, physiology background. So, so stick with us. Um, that's just to explain his background. So, um, and you stay active yourself. I do. I do. So um, this is a point we kind of talked about where it's like, I, so I'm not an athlete. I was never played a sport in college or anything like that. But I think it's also like a weird term where it's like athlete versus non-athlete. Because I, so I was in a major where I think I was the only male who didn't play a sport, and that was really fun. Exercise science. Um, for that reason, yeah, yeah exercise science. Every single person there, uh, at least the guys, they I think they all played a sport. So it was fun getting to know them, go to the games, you know people. Um, but I never played a sport in college, but I still stayed very active myself. So like I just completed uh, a half marathon last year. I'm doing another one next month. I'm training for an Olympic triathlon right now. And I just really enjoy doing physical activity. I just never played, I guess, a real sport because I don't know if I wasn't good enough, but I, I was not good enough. Huh. But for any coaches out there listening, I still have four years of NCAA eligibility. Hey, I just like to announce hey. that on here. Always looking, always looking. Um, yeah, I, and so I, I think that it's a, provides a different, yeah. You were walking on That's impressive. So, I mean, um, yeah, as, as long as we ended up. The dream's alive. We ended up at, oh, it, it's so alive, but we ended up at the right school. <laughs> doing pretty well right now so yeah and i always have this bizarre idea in my head that i believe every male under the age of 28 still believes he could go professional in some sort of sport and it's only like oh yeah like i could go do curling like they still generally believe this in their heads and i love this belief i thought getting um, i think we need to keep fostering that 
What? Hot dog eating is a sport. It is, exactly. So what, or just, like, find something weird. I still believe that I could, you know, probably play professional something. I don't know what, but something. Go for it, man. So... And, uh, but yeah, so talking, I guess, like as a non-athlete, I think it provides a very different perspective because I'm very interested in more, um, health span and like trying to be able to like, can I walk when I'm 85 years old and maintaining myself through the long run instead of like, I know a lot of guys will just blow their bodies out very early on in life, unfortunately. So that's a big focus of mine. Yeah. I think it's super relevant because my biggest misconception when I started at PC Boost was that I was going to be working with all of my, all the NFL athletes and these, you know, stud college athletes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, a majority of my clientele was the general population adults, general population like college kids and the youth kids, you know, like nine to 11 mm -hmm. and then middle school and high school. So it's super relevant. And not only is the majority of your clientele going to be like that, at least in the private field, but that's also where a majority of your your uh, income and money and cash flow and whatever is going to come from. So, exactly, very very important uh, population. Um, so, so get better at it, learn about it, whether you like it or not, basically. But um, so I hate cardio. I think anything over four <laughs> repetitions is cardio. I just like lifting heavy stuff. Okay. One, two, or three times. Yeah. So training for a a half marathon and Olympic triathlon that's got to be kind of time consuming, right? It really is. So I'm I'm I have a weird training strategy. Whenever I tell anyone I do this, they're always like, "Oh yeah, so you're running like you know five six miles a day." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. I train maybe two to three days a week and then rest really hard the other oh. days." Um, it's kind of my big strategy. I don't know. It works for me. I don't know if that works for everybody. So my last half, I would go run eight miles and then take three days off and then go play soccer for like three hours and a league that I play in. And that was also a running day. So it's just kind of like constant, like long-term training compared to like, I'm trying to train for this in a very short amount of time say. Um, I think that's very important and it works for me. So why can't it work for somebody else? The bigger issue is like triathlon stuff is biking. It is so hard to get a good workout with a bike. So I generally just go out on a Friday, two or three hour ride, get it in, and then you're done with it. Um, that, at least that's my recommendation. Swimming is really easy to just burn out really fast because yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah. Swimming's freaking hard. Exactly. And I, I do weightlift also. I, I got to throw that in there with it. But you're right. It is very time consuming. You just got to make time for it with the job. I mean, you know, you work eight to five, nine to five, whatever, and you just get off, go home, chill out for 30 minutes. Then you go work out, come home, cook dinner. It's very easy. I'm, uh, you know, living on my own right now. Um, I don't have, you know, the wife, the kids, anything like that to worry about. So it's pretty simple. Yeah, getting in, in a routine and a plan is probably the biggest thing. My, uh, my, mm -hmm. my running joke ever since my, my division two baseball career ended, didn't go pro. What a shame. But, uh, was that I took <laughs> you still could you're under 28 oh, yeah I I topped out at 81 these the <laughs> bad pros their minimum is like 88 but uh yeah everyone everyone hey have you have you seen that movie where the kid breaks his arm and then he's able to throw like a 95 mile per hour fastball or something no but it sounds kind of familiar there's a it's like a childhood movie oh, I saw, okay. and then it, it was great but yeah you could be that kid break, break your arm <laughs> yeah all the parents like like the last four years, my my parents' friends, they don't understand like how, you know, college sports and, you know, baseball specifically work. So 
They're like, oh, like, why don't you just work harder? And I'm like, well, if it was that easy, everyone, you know, if that was the formula. So anyways, I, exactly. I digress. But I took for granted, like, having a really good reason to work out. So it's so huge. Like, that's why I enjoy Olympic weightlifting is because it gives me some focus, you know, and direction when I train. No. So it's not even mm-hmm. that that someone has to do like a, a a full marathon or Olympic triathlon. Even like knowing that I'm running because of a 5K, you know, it just helps give them that little exactly. bit more clarity when they do their stuff. So. So yeah, and I think the big thing I don't necessarily work out because I want to accomplish these great events or anything like that. I mean, I do get the personal satisfaction out of it, but I'm also I, I'm not doing it for social media or anything like that. If you, I don't even think I have posts on my like Instagram or anything about it. The big thing I get out of it personally, I think most people do, is just that mental clarity for the next 23 hours oh, yeah. of the day um, until your next workout session, and that's the only reason I do it. It really is not a drug, but it's like that where. I'm calmer. I make more rational decisions. I have more energy. So why not keep doing this? Um, and that's really why I do it. And then also just, as I said, like, I really want to have maintenance in life. I want to be able to, when I'm a hundred years old, stand up from a chair. That'd be wonderful. Longevity for sure. Yeah. That's a, a point exactly. Michaela and I talked about, um, the, the benefits of exercise beyond just the physical stuff. You know. The, mm-hmm. the the mental and your well-being and, and all that stuff people get so caught up in kind of the i don't know physical end result if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. uh they just want to look good in the yeah, mirror or anything yeah. like that and like and that's just not like sustainable like they think they can eat chicken and rice every meal for the next eight uh, years you can't i've tried <laughs> it's impossible it does not go very well yeah but so yeah. just framing that uh well I, I was just sitting to a podcast on my 15 hour drive back to texas yesterday and and they were talking about an nfl athlete who was who's going to be a hall of famer and and the last uh three four years of his career he focused more on sleeping and recovery and all this stuff because he had established himself mm-hmm. but the quote that they summed it all up with is uh if you want to play till you're 45, you got to start treating your body like it's 45, you know, when you're 20 and 30 mm-hmm. and just start thinking about it kind of from a longevity standpoint. And it sucks because it takes people that big injury to realize it. If, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, I mean, I, no, it makes yeah, a bunch obviously sense. if you're able bodied, you're going to want to ball out, you know, cause it's fun and you want to work hard and you don't want to leave any stone unturned. But if you get in with a good coach, they're going to understand that intensity probably isn't the issue. It's volume. You know, it's not the, it's not mm-hmm. the poison that gets you. It's the dose of it. Um, but yeah. yeah, people just want to, if people don't, if people aren't on the floor dying after workout, they feel like they didn't do anything, you know, which I think is one of the biggest misconceptions, but um, that's a whole story for a different day. So, I mean, that's why we have people like you out there, trainers and whatnot. We need our coaches to be able to handle that for us. Because honestly, like if I'm out there, I have no clue what I'm doing. I had a great cross-country coach in high school, tennis coaches in high school, um, everything like that. But And they've instilled in me now like how to continue this throughout my life. Um, so that's why we need great people like you out there. So It goes so much beyond the sport for sure. Um, 
And then also when that's kind of the focus or when that's apparent, then the app, then the athlete or the client going back to how important gen pop is the general population. Um, mm-hmm. Then that's going to resonate with them. Like, wow, they care about me beyond increasing my bench or increasing my squat, you know, mm-hmm. or making me throw up exactly. because like, that's the cool thing to do, which I think is freaking stupid. Um, Wait, that's the thing. Yeah, so there's there's a facility uh, near me in Chicago. On their website, they have the victim board. Like on their website, it's like a counter, and everyone that throws up, like the the counter goes up. Oh, that's not yeah, a point of pride. Like <sighs> I heard that, and I just I cringe. It was so like, how is that a thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I I threw up a few times in high school after five Ks, and I used to wear that as a badge of oh, honor but sure. like looking back it really is just like a physiological mechanism that's occurring in your body that doesn't necessarily mean like you push yourself yeah. that hard it's just you didn't cool down it very yeah. well uh i i like that you say kind of badge of honor because i forgot oh it was uh the men's basketball strength coach at wake forest ryan horn he tweeted out mm-hmm. and he said if you want to show or like why do people wear like lack of sleep or training when you're really tired is a badge of honor. If you want to show me how disciplined you are, get eight hours of sleep. Cause that's way hard. That's way harder mm-hmm. than training on four hours of sleep, you know, getting yourself in bed, making mm-hmm. time. And like, if that was just like a paradigm shift, like I'd be more impressed if someone's like, yeah, I wake up and I go to bed every night at the same time. I'd be like, wow, you're amazing. You're my idol. So what are your sleep rituals? Oh, very poor, but the older I get, so okay. of course, like I had to learn this through four years of undergrad and one year of grad school. So I'm going to look into getting some blackout curtains and I'm going to try to get mm-hmm. a very consistent uh, bedtime. So normally I kind of just go to bed okay. whenever the work was done, but there's always going to be work to do. So. Uh, and kind of just change my day around to set me up for success at night, if that makes sense. So one thing I'm going to mm-hmm. do is the first hour of my day, I'm going to devote to my most important task. Because think about okay. if you wake up at 8 and by 9 o'clock, you have one hour of work done on the thing that was going to be on your mind all day, you know? Because think, cause think about how often mm-hmm. you wake up and you pencil something in in your mind for like five or six or whenever you, you get home. How how often do you get home at that time? How often does something not come up? You know? Because no, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a big thing. Also, like you're most productive when you first wake up and you get like a random spurt in the afternoon, and then like eight or nine o'clock, I hit another random spurt. I think everyone kind of hits yeah. those time points. And it it also sucks because I like waking up early. Like I think it's so cool like watching the sun come up i like sitting and watching Mm -hmm. but just like you know being awake for that and i'm also Mm -hmm. a night owl like my prime time for homework is like 9 p.m to like one in the morning and those things do not go very well together i've learned from experience Mm -hmm. you're still living like a college student i don't know i just can't do stuff in the middle of the day i just don't like that's when i have my obligations you know I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, so I have a few things that I've like done that have helped me a little bit. I'm not a great sleeper, but I'm getting better. So I have a thing called the aura. Yeah, my, my one. 
O-U-R-A. Yeah, they're great. I highly recommend them. They're about $300 for a little pricey, but they give you great um, metrics that you can use. So it tells you your sleep cycles, how much REM you're getting, deep sleep, things like that. In addition to that, it also gives you your heart rate variability, which is a really good metric to use for how rested you actually are. Um, for a lot of different people, it's a little hard to interpret until you get your own individual. But once you get that, it's very useful. And it's just kind of a nice having my entire, like, it does everything a Fitbit does and then some, but it's a okay. ring. Okay, have you... So I highly recommend getting so one of those. I've heard of that, actually. And there's a there's a big boom of, because I'm I'm in sports science, so stuff like that is, is getting getting pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard of the Whoop bracelet? Yep. So W H O O P. It's basically it's an it's a Fitbit on steroids, but it has no face. It has no face. Okay. On it. it literally just okay. does like fitness and performance data, um, similar to kind of the the Aura Ring. But have you found? Mm-hmm. So I've done some research on the Whoop because. Uh, the beach coaches were thinking about buying it. Um, but have you found any literature on the Aura Ring? So, yeah, they have two published papers that are both on sleep. Um, and they're not necessarily being used as a research tool. I don't think any of these are necessarily research tools. If you want that, you just got to go to Actigraph, which will do everything you need. Um, are you familiar with I'm Actigraph? Not. It's this really ugly red box that you can wear almost anywhere on your body, and then you pretty much get the raw data that you can interpret yourself. So that's very useful as a sports scientist. Um, the issue you're going to run into with these devices a lot of times is it's hard to get the data to actually interpret yourself or record it if you want to do like an actual study with it. Um, I know Apple watches are actually pretty good at that. They have the it's like the Apple Research Kit that you can create your own um, data collection methods within different programming languages. So that's very useful. A lot of people use that. So I guess what I'm trying to describe here is like, so say I have 10,000 steps on my Fitbit or a Whoop or anything like that. It's generally very hard to pull that data down unless I have the participant just log the data in themselves. First Apple, I can create a script that will pull their steps down every single day at 7 p.m. or something like that. Interesting. So for as far as clinical trials, it makes it a lot more difficult to work with some of these devices and they try to keep a lot of their things in-house because these companies are also... If they have one bad paper come out, then it also, it just, the company can go under or anything like that. So they're very controlling and they try to avoid literature. Yeah, exactly. But it's, that's why, uh, like the more I get into research, the more I'm hesitant about it, but you also kind of need it. It's, uh, it's so frustrating. Science is so gray. I hate it. It's, it's wonderful, oh, but it's awful. I, you could not have said it better, my friend. Um, but yeah, people don't understand like what really goes into kind of literature and what actually or what these journals d- decide to publish, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. And also just like whenever you're so I'm a part of a journal club, multiple journal clubs in my lab, and we go through a paper almost every single week and we just talk about the pros, the cons doesn't answer the question. I'd say 85% of the papers we go through, we disagree. They cannot make the conclusions <laughs> that they're making. Um, and when most people go through and they read a, like an article, they read maybe the abstract, a few sentences of the results, and they make their conclusion off of that. Um, and this is a big issue, especially in the media. Like you hear like, oh, this eating blueberries will incre- improve your memory. And that's not necessarily like what an article ever even said. It's just yeah. easy to read it that way. So there's a big issue with scientific literacy in the general public. And it's very difficult. And I think that's on the scientists to make better. Uh, Because I understand how hard it must be. Yeah, I think that 
Uh, oh, scientific literacy. I like that phrase. So people definitely don't have the stats background to evaluate papers. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not too uh, well-read in stats. I'm taking that this semester, but I have a little bit of a background in it. Um, a lot of the times, they don't even pick the correct statistical test to test what they say they're testing, if that makes sense. So a lot mm -hmm. of times you can just mm -hmm. mix and match whatever statistical test you want, and it'll you'll get a little bit different answer each time until you get kind of the best one or the one that you want. Um, but yeah, people take one study as a grain of salt, or sorry, as the NLBL, but you have to take it kind of with a grain of salt. Like mm -hmm. my, uh, my coworker, he's doing his PhD at Illinois right now, and he's insane. Like one of the hardest working dudes I know. He one time read mm -hmm. every single study that this one study referenced to see where they were getting their main points and claims from. So mm -hmm. not saying that that's what people have to do when they read literature, but but you definitely can't read just one. You know, see what else the, the author is posting. Exactly. Find some studies that disagree with it you know confirmation bias i just watched a ted talk on this of course you're only going to look for for research studies that support what you believe in because you want to believe that you know kind of myself included included when you're on a certain topic you probably have a preconceived notion of a stance on that topic you know because most things are, are kind of one mm -hmm. one or the other uh, and it's very difficult to do because no one likes being wrong but it's like I like saying it's not an ego thing. It's getting your athletes better thing, or it's a being the best researcher kind of thing. You know exactly. Um, so are you are you on Twitter uh, much? I'm not a big consumer. So okay, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm just asking. So science lives on Twitter. A lot of people don't know this. Um, it's literally a place where if you have a question, you can tweet a scientist who wrote the paper and just be like, "I have a question on this." Really? They tend to answer it. Um, they're, they're really good about that, especially I would say sports science people and nutrition. And so I think it's very interesting that like science tends to live on Twitter versus I feel like coaching and performance tends to live on Instagram because yeah. it's very visual. So I highly recommend you have a presence in both if you're going to be in the sphere and going back to what you're kind of saying, where it's like you read one article, you can't make any conclusions off it. Nutrition is my favorite, um, place for that. So I follow a bunch of guys who are big in nutrition research. And the big thing right now is low-carb, high-fat versus Mediterranean versus all these other fun diets out there for weight loss and performance. And, like, one guy does a study that says, like, oh, the keto diet didn't work very well here. And then everyone, you know, fights him on it. And it's, just, it's very fun <laughs> watching their arguments, but it really is so true that not one will ever answer the one question. And also there's probably a billion different diets or modalities that will work well for you individually. And you need to go experiment oh, 100%. and find that for and, and that's where the coaching and human aspect of kind of sports performance comes in and what i've realized the more content i consume kind of on a on a daily basis from people i would consider pretty good coaches is that they do two things very well they know how to uncomplicate the complicated you know basically you have these mm -hmm. fundam fundamentals in science and we, I hate using like blanket statements where like, oh, you know, we, 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 but we complicate stuff, you know, by making all these different diets and phrases and restrictions and whatnot. 
but then you know the experts kind of uncomplicate it and they do that because of two things because they know the basics savagely well the fundamentals you know the science and they have mm-hmm. a boatload of experience you know so so uh mm-hmm. wait i don't know if i said my second point at the beginning they uncomplicate it they uncomplicate sure. it and they apply it to their context very well and hence that's what makes them a really good coach is because they get you know some some notoriety for it and they do that because they know the basics and because um they have a ton of experience so literature is a slippery slope but just like anything else which i'm a 100 percent believer in consuming and evaluating literature is a skill so you just have to practice mm-hmm. at it. Because I think a big part of it within coaching is like you have to be able to realize what kind of works for you and your program. So like there's a bunch of literature coming out that like the keto diet is great for those who are type 2 diabetics who want to drop weight a little bit. And that could be great. And that's wonderful if it works for you. If you're a coach trying to talk get someone down or I don't know if you're trying to get, put them on a high carb diet. But really as the coach, you kind of have to know like this has worked for my past athletes. This will work for you if you go through this diet, this training plan, things like that. And don't like worry about the literature, but don't let it be the end all be all. Because if an article comes out this year saying this is good, an article might come out uh-huh. next year saying this or is bad. Think about how many articles saying that's bad got rejected by journals. You know, it's exactly. And if, for those of you who don't know the journal process out there, it's literally like you put a bunch of work together, you write it, you send it off to the journal, and they might just say, We don't like this idea and send it back to you, and then you send it to another journal. And when you eventually find the journal you like, you go through a peer review process. They generally have two or three reviewers who will look at it and they'll all provide your notes back to you. And it always ends like, we'll accept it. We will accept with these revisions or we're not going to accept it. Um, So that's generally how science lives. And these are generally people who are industry leaders in the field, which is really good that they're doing that. So if you're submitting, you know, um, here's my new strength training program and it works like this and we're publishing it. And it's probably a strength training guy who's going to read it and evaluate it if you're actually testing the right metrics and whatnot. So I think science is yeah. great in that way. But it's also still very hard to publish, right? And there can be a lot of bias. One thing they do put in there is you can literally request, like, I do not want this person to read my paper because I'm like, I don't like them or they don't like me or they're doing similar research to me and might want to try to yeah. compete me in it. So that is a good safeguard there. But you're right. There, there can easily be papers that are just or papers that are just like done, um, knocked out because some random person yeah, doesn't like it. There's two points that I, that I got out of that. So uh, context. So I want to say that was my third episode, which I think is so important because it's literally the lens in how you consume everything. You know, like we could look at the same object, but if we have different mm-hmm. glasses on, we're going to see it a little different. You know, so. So my kind of, you know, exactly. cheesy little attempt at a science joke is is that study is done for those specific people in that gym with that protocol with their goal of publishing a paper, you know. You're going to get the best data mm-hmm. from your athletes in your situation from your athletes in your situation. You know, it sounds super basic, but um so kind of just realizing how the literature got to that conclusion but also how does that work for me you know um and that's mm-hmm. you know where that experience component and kind of coaching comes from but the the second point i got from your little your little spiel was uh was 
basically the the gist of my you know talking shop and the talking shop podcast like we're not telling you what's right and what's wrong in the literature we're discussing how to consume it you know so you know we could consume exactly. all of this you know sign or uh, the nutrition literature or all the training lit- literature or xyz and if we just tell you our opinions and thoughts and beliefs yeah, we might be able to come to a little bit better conclusion than the average person because we have experienced reading literature, but but we're trying to teach you how to fish, not give you a fish, if that makes sense. Just throwing that out there. For, I hope that makes sense. I think it sounds really clear. Yeah. And one other point you kind of just sparked off me is like this whole idea of context. So I listened to that episode, and a big thing that I was thinking is it's – the context is important, but also you really need to focus on the environment yeah. that you're working in as far as I feel like that's really what coaches create is just the general environment. So like one random thing I've done since I come to the NIH, I started like a soccer club and I really thought it was going to be me and like four other kids kicking a soccer ball around. But it's grown into we have like 30, 40 kids coming out every week on a small field, like a backyard pretty much. And we have guys who are D1 athletes. We have guys who've never touched the ball in their life. Um, and we really just created a good welcoming environment. And that's why I think we draw so many people out and just get a bunch of people involved in a physical activity every single week. If you're ever in the hey, Bethesda area, I want you to come on out and join I am us. absolutely a good time. garbage at soccer, but. but. <laughs> you know, if you know me, I never played soccer before I moved here and I started a yeah, soccer what, club. What I'm still garbage, but I have fun. Um, I have a friend out here. Her name's Louise Stoles, and she just kind of got together and said, "Like, hey, I have this idea. Will you help me?" Because I was trying to start like intramurals for postbacks, and they have intramurals in the DC area. Okay. I live right outside of DC, and they're very expensive for adults. And so we're like, "How do we make this affordable?" So we pretty much said, "Let's just go like kick a soccer ball around." We found a random field. Um, some lacrosse goals is what oh. we use. It's we put this organization together for I think it was the ten dollars I paid for soccer balls. Big baller. So I think it's just big about creating an environment. Yeah, exactly. But like some of the small things we did, I think really paid off. So like a lot of guys are like, oh, we, like we want to take our shirts off when we play, and I just like never allowed that because I don't want anyone to awesome. be self conscious. I know that sounds really small and dumb, but I don't want the girls to feel weird, and I don't want just like if you're a bigger guy or self conscious guy, I don't want you feeling weird coming out like oh, I have to take my shirt off. So I think it's a big deal on influencing people to come out. And it's just thinking through the small details like that. I think are very important for a program. probably the unpopular opinion at the moment. But that's going to go such a long way. Oh, yeah. In the small run, it sucks. People hate you for it. But in the long run, it works. You know your kind of vision and mission and intention with with this soccer club. And and kind of like I said, having a direction when working out. Like – your intention with soccer is or creating this club is to create an environment where, where people can exercise and hang out and just have a good time, you know? And because you just exactly. took a little bit of extra effort to think and come to that conclusion, then that decision was already made before they brought it up to you, you know? Um, exactly. And I think this kind of came up with your conversation with Michaela where she talked about like getting women to gyms and things like that. I think it is very hard, especially for women to like feel comfortable in these athletic type environments and creating that can be very useful. Um, and I know a lot of times you're probably working with like female athletes who are very comfortable there, but to draw the new ones in, um, that's how you're going to have to do it. I think is create like a very good environment. Yeah, as well. Imagine being, everyone. you know, a general population client, whether you're a little bit older adult or like a middle school girl and you come in, you know, a private facility and there's music blasting, you know, there's all these, you know, big, strong guys that 
that have been coming for a few years. So they joke around mm-hmm. with all the coaches and you don't know anyone. And then your, your parent leaves and all this stuff where we're just taking that extra two cents and maybe doing not necessarily the unpopular thing, but you know, in your situation that was, but just like what you feel is right. is going to go so far for that person. Mm-hmm. And really the environment is what it's all about. One of my favorite things I heard in a podcast was, uh, Mark Verstegen, uh, who's one of the main Exos guys, who's a pretty big name in strength and conditioning. Uh, people were asking him about his training and his facility and, and all this stuff. And he says, he said, it's all about the coaches. You know, you could take my facility, take my programs, and you give us the parking lot. And I can guarantee in a month, we will run you out of business because we have the you know the right coaches and just mm-hmm. hearing him say that that was one of the coolest things where it's not it's not that y'all are going to go play FIFA you know or DC United is going to pick you up it's it's not even the soccer itself it's just like hanging out with people getting out of your apartment and you know getting a little sweat going just having a good time for sure so that that was a good story mhm yeah, and then actually, one thing I wanted to go back to a little bit. We we got um a little sidetracked about sleep. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that just for a few more minutes. If that's cool. Awesome. So one thing I really recommend a lot of people get is a noise machine, like one of those easy, cheap white noise machines. Those things are awesome, and they really help you. I mean, especially like I live in an apartment right now. Like I used to live in a dorm or a house with a bunch of roommates. Um, people are loud. They're noisy, and it's hard to sleep. So definitely get a white noise machine. Place that right next to your bed, and get used to using it. Yeah, my uh, I think it's my huge. little rant or a rant I've developed is uh the three big rocks in kind of training and performance. So or with sports science, I guess this is probably where I apply it the most because people want to get so technical by you know buying an aura ring or a heart monitor or whoop. And doing all this stuff where it's like, mm-hmm. if you don't eat enough calories and good calories, if you don't sleep enough, and if you don't train consistently, all that stuff doesn't matter. You know, the point of whether it's technology mm-hmm. or whether it's or whether it's doing those way too fancy, complicated exercises that you see on Instagram is that's for the elite to optimize, you know. But you're gonna get you're gonna get way mm-hmm. more out of it and your training, you know, if if you don't do that extra thirty minutes of conditioning and you get, you know, thirty extra minutes of sleep. You know, but that's not the cool thing to do. That's not mm-hmm. not that's not gonna make people no, ooh and not. ah and be like, Oh wow, but- they're so cool. You know. So so I like that uh you're putting an emphasis on your sleep, not only for yourself, and that's, and like I said, I'm I'm doing some things to improve my sleep, but I've it took me five years to get to that point. You know, I thought you think you can out train a bad mm-hmm. bad diet and bad sleep. And I've tried to do that during college baseball and one year of just grad school, and you cannot. Can I, do, no. do you know who Matthew Walker is? No, so I'd highly recommend uh, listening to him. He wrote a book on sleep. He's mm-hmm. a PhD in sleep science, pretty much. And there's not much sleep research or knowledge out there. He's probably, I would say, the leader of it. He has a really good three-part interview with another doctor, Peter Atia. I'd highly recommend go listen to that. 
if you're looking for a good podcast, really? it's like six hours of recording where they just talk about all the benefits of sleep and neurocognitive stuff and performance. So would definitely recommend what go checking him out and that podcast. Is that called? Do you have it? So this is the Peter Atia Drive. Um, Peter Atia is A T T I A. Yeah, he's also he got a great podcast overall. He's just a physician who enjoys interviewing like industry leaders of different research, and so he has a bunch of random things on there, like how to find a plastic surgeon to, um, I don't know, different sports performance metrics. So I cool, would recommend cool. his podcast overall. Uh, so yeah. I know that we kind of just talked about kind of anything and everything, and and we'll, we'll, let me yeah. tell you, ladies and gentlemen, why Trey and I got along. So. I call myself Mr. Prepared, self-proclaimed, but I always like have everything I need in my backpack. Like I'm a planner. Like I just do all this extra stuff. And you know, all of my, all of my guests in my podcast, I send a little word document of like, you know, four or five just sentences, phrases, just to get their brain going. So they have an idea of what to talk about. This man filled it out and sent it back to me. So. I, uh, at least well, with, with Michaela, she just kind of filled it out on her own and then, you know, kind of just went from there. Um, okay. So if you're a future guest, you can do whichever one you prefer. But it takes like, like 15 minutes. It's fun it's kind of fun. Like, I, I have a few coworkers it. back at TC Boost that I'm going to have on in future episodes. And, and of course, like we're all super busy. Like no one's not busy. And, and all of them are saying like, yeah, I really want to, like you have some really good kind of points and questions that I think would be good to talk about because like I have a coworker who's a hockey and lacrosse specialist. I have a coworker who's uh, a certified athletic trainer. So that kind of molds their training, you know? So, um, so yeah, just talk and shop. Like mm -hmm. everyone has different experiences and a different lens in which they see the world, you know? And it's not that we have all the answers, but you know, if someone can get kind yeah. of one little perspective, or one little kind of sentence or phrase or, or, you know, go get that white noise machine. That's going to, that's going to be a, a big deal in, in my mind for sure. Um, so man, we, we talked about kind of all this stuff. Uh, but so I guess kind of just mm -hmm. whatever we missed. So what are kind of some main governing beliefs, perspectives that help guide your life and then you and your profession? Sure. So I'm still figuring out my profession, if that helps at all. So I'm literally doing just a training program right now. I am applying to medical school, so hopefully that comes through. But um, as far as what I'm very interested in, not necessarily profession-wise, I think it's a big deal that we get away from this, like, if this is causing this to this is causing this. So an example I always use here is like cancer. Does nutrition have an effect on cancer? We have used billions of taxpayer dollars in research to figure out if nutrition has an effect on cancer. And I think it's very clear we can make the decision, it does. Or does your nutrition have an effect on your weightlifting or anything like that? It does. So start worrying about the why or the how do we modulate this. I think coaching is a very good modality to get to the why and like how to modify it best without necessarily research. Um, but that's a big thing from like a research perspective. I think we need yeah, so to I'm, kind of explore going, more. So uh, going into it where it's a, oh, we'll just see what happens. There's enough out there on basically every topic where you can have somewhat of an idea, you know, but you, you have to mm -hmm. be, you know, kind of careful on the flip side to not 
make your data fit your preconceived notion. But if you if you say if I like if I do X, Y will happen, not like what will happen. And then if X goes to Y, Y, you know, then then you start asking some more important questions, if that makes sense. So so like I said earlier, whether it's mm -hmm. whether it's in your no, life does. or the literature, just having some direction is gonna go so much farther for you, for sure. Exactly. And so the other, the other, I guess, big life governing thing is having, this is a very common one, having everything as an opt out versus an opt in. So it, I work out, you know, every single day right after work, pretty much um, in some capacity, just have that, like, I have to do that. I have to choose to opt out of doing that. And I think it's very important to have your life like that. The more you have just kind of set out and planned, oh, yeah. the easier your life gets and the happier you get. Um, Joko Willink is another big podcaster. You may have read his book or heard of him. He's all about discipline equals freedom. Everything in his life is all about it's scheduled out perfectly. It's all done. I have he has no anxiety. He pretty much says because of that, and I really yeah. try to and of course emulate like, that in my life. Things like that are the ones that get publicized. You know, I forgot was it Tom Brady or some pretty high up there athlete or Mark Wahlberg. He has his day mapped out to the five minute increment. You know, and and it, it's not mm -hmm. to say that. Exactly. That you have to do that. Obviously not. That's the top 0.5% of people that plan out their days. But like in my planner, I have it where, uh, where the days go vertically and then it goes by time. So it's not just mm -hmm. like a block. So, so I just make like, it goes down to the 15 minutes. So I know like, all right, I'll have an hour in between class. Like what, what am I going to do then? You know, and I feel like, mm -hmm. and it's not, yeah, you gotta be productive. So this is a completely, it, all right, I'll explain it and it'll make sense. So if I were to run a business, directly speaking, I would, I would tell everyone that the shipping was going to be a few days later than when it actually was, because how awesome is it when your package gets there before, right? So everything. <laughs> Your reactions yeah. to everything are based off your expectations. So that's kind of a, a, another life rant I've I've discovered. But if you have your day planned out and you just know, hey, this is going to be a little bit busier day. I'm not going to have that much time to kind of relax. Your day, because you know that a, ahead of time, your day is going to be way less bad or very poor vocabulary. But it, it's when you wake up and you're like, oh, I have to mm -hmm. do you know, X, Y, Z. And then, you know, you and your buddy talk for a half hour and then you have to talk to a professor after class. And then, you know, instead of knocking those things out earlier in the day, then it all gets, you know, bunched up at the end of the day. And then you're up till 1 p.m., 1 a.m. like me. And then you got to wake up at five o'clock to drive 15 hours. And then that just doesn't go well, you know? So that's, that's why at the beginning of the podcast, I said, mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of getting to bed on time right when I wake up. You know, so yeah, definitely having that, that exactly. kind of schedule, because if you already have it penciled out, it's a lot more, it's easier to go along with it than to kind of make time for it after in the moment. 
And I think it's a big deal also in there. Like, it's okay to schedule, like, this is my white time, my free time, whatever you want to call it, um, where I just have nothing planned. Exactly. It's okay to have that as long as you kind of have that planned. Um, we're not saying never have free yeah. time. We're saying have free times yep. planned with, free time. With, you know, the the uh, the Marine guy, his, his book, that's Extreme Ownership, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe yeah. Pumley, I think so it's Extreme Ownership. Tamar He's Mark a Navy Ball. SEAL or something. It is? He has a children's book. Oh, he has one. No, no, he has one. It's called The Way of the Warrior really? Kid. I got it for, I have two nephews and I got it for him. Yeah, if you, if you have little kids out there, go get them the book, maybe. I don't know if it's good or not. Uh, I glanced at it. Gotcha. I should endorse <laughs> enough, something I haven't read. Uh, whether it's whether it's him or whether it's Tom Brady or Mark Wahlberg, uh, because they they run their life like that, doesn't mean that you can't schedule in, you know, I'm going to bust my butt all week. Friday night, I'm just going to binge watch Netflix. You know? An, an entrepreneur I follow on Instagram, Daniel mm-hmm. DiPiazzi, have you heard of him? The the rich 20-something guy? Mm-hmm. I have, yeah. He's like, you can watch Netflix all weekend and still be successful in your life. You know? I feel like people get so caught yeah. up in the moment. You know, it's just like part of being a human. But everything's in moderation, obviously. But so if you have kind of a plan, it just makes, it takes the guesswork out of it, basically, is, is what it is. It does. Well, the one thing this is leading me to ask you, so I've been having this issue recently with uh, scheduling and whatnot. So I have finished a bunch of like a task in my life. So I've finished my med school apps. I'm just submitted. I'm just sitting here waiting on them to get back to me. I find myself so bored. You know, I go to work for eight hours a day and then I go do my workout for like an hour or two hours and then it's six or seven o'clock and I still have three to four hours of wakeful time. I don't know how to fill that time always. I think the bigger issue I'm having now is I'm physically exhausted. I'm mentally exhausted. What do you fill the time with? So I'm trying to find things there. I think it's a, a big thing for people to think about. Uh, I don't know so if you have I that same issue. I have all these things in my head that I want to accomplish. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think there's a big difference between, between oh, in my free time, I'm going to read more. Or in my free time, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. But when it comes time to actually kind of do that mm-hmm. stuff, you know? I was I was so excited for the summer because I was going to be in Texas. I was going to have you know kind of less friends here. I was going to work on my thesis and kind of do all this stuff. But you know, if you have free time, you're just going to want to chill. But if you kind of pencil it out, so kind of penciling it out. And I, the point about you can have free time is if you know at the end of your day there's an hour to chill, you're probably going to feel bad kind of chilling in the middle of the day, you know. So. Um, I, I just came yeah. to that kind of on the spot, but so I don't know if there's anything kind of that you've wanted to do, whether it's fitness or a skill or a hobby, like my, my buddy back home, he does pottery on Tuesday nights. Like he takes a pottery class. So, I mean, I'm sure it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, no. So I've, I've been doing trying to find just hobbies where it's like, you never end doing it. So I've been I'm thinking about like sketching, just like drawing coding, or yeah. something like that. I've been working on coding a little bit. But it's more just, I think it's very healthy to find yep. a skill where it's like you'll never master it. Like, you will never master weightlifting, but yep. you can only weightlift one to three hours a day, say. Um, so that can't really be your all-time hobby. But, like, you'll never really run out of yeah, sketching exactly. or and coding or so learning. There's so much out there, whether sort. it's, like, Coursera or just, you know, good dudes posting free stuff on yeah. YouTube or whatnot. But there's always stuff to learn about. And uh, <laughs> Good people. And, 
what I like to do with kind of my personal endeavors whenever I have free time is I want it to benefit um, my kind of job, if that makes sense. So if, if I'm going to read, I like reading a lot of business kind of self-help nonfiction books. So yeah, it's, I'm reading and it's leisurely, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to get something out of it. But also you, you didn't need that time just to turn your brain off. So if you're looking for like a stimulating activity, then something that's, you know, coding or computer or, you know, reading more about um, kind of your field yeah. or just like a random topic that's still, you know, kind of relevant. You know, I'm sure there's a few topics that you've kind of heard of that mm-hmm. that you've never been able to kind of devote that time to really getting into it. But um, and then also having those kind of random hobbies like like pottery or um, I don't know, I'm pretty busy as is, but uh, I like I like doing the stuff where <laughs> I know I'm going to get something out of it. Um, so it's not that I kind of need kind of a relaxing hobby, but. Yeah, it's just like asking yourself and reflecting and kind of having a direction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're we're coming back to it, direction and having a purpose. Like, all right, I'm going to look for something that's going to stimulate stimulate my brain. Or I'm going to look for something where I can just turn my brain off, you know? So just trying to take the guesswork out of it because you can do literally anything under the sun. But, like, what do you what do you want to get out of it? Oh, yeah. 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 No, I think it's just good things to consider for a lot of people. Exactly. Because um, just like what to fill your time with. Time, that's all we got. Our most abundant resource, but probably worst. Exactly. Or poor, most poorly utilized. Getting, getting deep out here. <laughs> uh, so, do you have anything else on that point? No, not really. I think it's just kind of a fun point to bring up. And I've been uh, talking about that with a few friends. And- it's just, I think, an interesting thing to discuss just from the standpoint of a lot of times people are constantly working towards something. Say you're the kid in high school trying to get the letter of intent or anything like that. And when you get that, what do you kind of do with your free time? Um, I think it's yeah. kind of hard to figure out how to so, fill that and do so it So kind of having those goals that can go on for a while, you know, I've, I've gotten more into kind of powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting mm-hmm. and it's just so objective that you can always get stronger and kind of do better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, was it Dave Tate, who's who's uh, one of the biggest names in powerlifting? Um, if it wasn't him, I apologize, but he was talking about how once you catch the iron bug, like you're, you're in it for life, you know, because there is no kind of end goal with it, but it also gives you a lot of direction. So I think that's mm-hmm. why it appeals to me. Because it's a skill, it's functional, it gives me direction, and I can always, you know, kind of chase it. So, um, so that's why I doing I like doing that. But that's you know for me. So, so in some of your free time, you can kind of reflect and figure out what you want out of a hobby. Um, so, how exactly. can your experience? So whether it be in the lab, whether it be moving, you know, kind of to DC. So how can your experience help my listeners grow, whether it's coaching wise or whether it's kind of more in a professional context? Sure. So I think a big thing is a lot of people that kind of you're born in town, you go to college two or three hours away from school and you kind of go back. I think it's very important to have experiences away from home in your local environment. 
don't be afraid to travel halfway across the country and try to build or do something there. I think it's very important um, to like kind of grow an entire new life for a little bit. And then you can always go back if you need to. Um, I, one of the best experiences I ever had in undergrad was I went and did a summer of research out in Denver, Colorado. I knew pretty much no one there and it was good for me. And now I'm in DC, you know, 13 hours away from my family. And it's really not that bad being away. I mean, it's, I wish I was closer to them, but still, I think it's very good that you, you, you never kind get of move away from home and try to build grow something. When growth is the only thing you can do, which is kind of vague, but it's just getting out of your comfort zone, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. No, I think it really is a catalyst for growth. And then another point in general is just be very critical of everything that yeah. you're reading out there, especially in science. As we, we kind of discussed this earlier, um, read a paper well, understand the methodology. It's also very easy to get distracted. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you read a sentence where it's like, oh, wow, that's a very cool point in the introduction section. I want to go read the other guy's paper. Oh, my God. It feels like your inception yeah. where you're in a paper within a paper within a paper. And it just keeps going. Don't let yourself get too bogged down. It's okay if that happens. I think it's very good to set aside like two hours every week to read if you're in science or anything like that um, and find a quiet place to do that. And um, I'm trying to think other things, experiences that I've had. Just be a good person. Create yeah, a good environment and things will come so to you kind of eventually. With, with the, the soccer stuff, if you go in with good thoughts about it, good intentions, and then you know good actions, that'll clean up a majority of, you know, kind of your, your daily actions, if that makes sense. Yeah. So keeping your thoughts, intentions and, and mm -hmm. actions in check and, exactly. and that'll, that'll take care of you. So, um, it's not karma, but it's, we're uh, describing it's, it's karma. More, it sounds like it's more personal karma, you know, <laughs> if like, so, so when Michaela and I talk, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. when she tells someone to be more cognizant about first person language, if someone takes it the wrong way, that's on them. You know, that, that, that's not on Michaela because she was going into it with good mm -hmm. intentions. She did it respectfully, you know? So it's, it's more. <gasps> oh, if she's, if you can't get along with Michaela, you're, you're not a great person. She's the I best she, person uh... ever. Exactly. You know, I lived. I lived I with her for that. a summer. I needed a place to live. She's like, you can just crash in my like roommate's I, I hope room. She, uh, so she we were roommates for a summer. It was super fun. Right now, so. Um. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I think that's all I really have experience yeah, wise. If, uh, if I think of anything if new, there's anything you can learn within this next year, six months, or whatever, or, or a particular topic you wanna you wanna chat about, we can make, you know, Trey Wow round two happen. We'll see. Oh, I'm super we'll see. This is a growing it. podcast. I hope it turns into so, something for you. If you had a perfect world, so let's yeah. say it was you researching fancy stuff like you are now, what would it be? But before you answer this, sure. so I ask these questions because people in your own field, chances are they're doing similar stuff to what you're doing or they're doing what they've you know always done in that field. Mm-hmm. So if you figure out kind of what problems people address in this question, or you figure out kind of how they think about different solutions, then try to think about, huh, why does that work for them? And how can that apply to my context? So, so if you had a perfect world for your future profession, what would it be? 
So I think the perfect world, I don't, I think costs would just be pretty much eliminated. I don't think the majority of young people can afford a coach a lot of times unless their parents are helping them out somehow. <clears throat> and coaches are very valuable for those things. So I think costs would just be eliminated for everything as far as coaching, healthcare, nutrition, no bars there. Um, I know that sounds like a very utopian idea, but that's the perfect world. And I think everyone wants that in life. Um, and then in addition to that, I think everyone should just really focus on health span more than anything. And I know I've mentioned that a few times, so we've kind of already gotten into that. And then on top of that, I think it's a big deal where you need to focus on not being good at one thing, but being good at a lot of things. I really hate, and you're more familiar with baseball, obviously, than I am, but I always hear about these kids who are like, they play baseball, you know, fall ball, summer, and then in the spring, and they're having injuries, junior, senior year of high school um, that probably shouldn't be happening. I'm a big fan of go play multiple sports, get good at all of them, and it will help you in every single event that you do. Um, and I assume you have some thoughts there, but that's probably the perfect world. It's just everyone's doing everything and everyone's making yeah, time even for if physical it's activity not, at least you know, and proper nutrition. Uh, kind of nudging your little nephew or cousin to play more sports, but but doing more stuff for yourself, like learning the code or you know developing a bunch of other skills for yourself yeah. kind of as a professional. So, so to the listener that's thinking about, uh, well – you know, it might come back up later, but like, I don't know if like the return on on investment is there. It's a skill that the the next job you'll have might require it, or being able <clears throat> that might be a good talking point in an interview. You know, exactly. So, so kind of being a jack jack of all trades to a certain point, um, or stuff that that you know might come back or will come back. Uh, kind of in your in your future days as a professional would definitely be worth your time because mm-hmm. ex- especially in sports performance at least in the private field we're in the age of uh, special or sports I guess specialization whether it's athlete wise or coaching wise like people I, I had a family friend who's pitching uh, in the Dodgers organization he had a coach for velocity and he had a coach for mm-hmm. um, kind of finesse is what he called it or like uh actual actual pitching you know or like people have a quarterback coach and then a strength coach and then you know they see a a sports psychologist on the side where it's where it's if you can be that one-stop shop that's gonna go that's gonna go a pretty pretty long way um so yeah sharpen sharpen your tools for sure or add more tools um Exactly. And this is the time to do it. I feel like the majority of your listeners are probably younger people. I mean, just go out there, explore. Who cares about the salary right now? Yeah, just one, worry about building another thing the skill I realize, setup and pay off the that I hear from all of these great coaches I listen to is coaching is just problem solving. You know, anyone anyone can can slap exercises, sets, and reps on a piece of mm. paper, but it's the people that realize, you know, how do I get buy-in? How do I work around their you know, injury history, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so the more tools you have in your toolbox, you're going to be able mm-hmm. to solve a greater variety of problems. Uh, so we're getting into yeah. the kind of the, the final three. So statement, book on your nightstand, what you got. 
So uh, I'm going through two books right now. One's really boring. It's just multiple mini interviews. It's just a book on how to prep for med school interviews that no one needs to worry about that. Uh, the other book, I'm interested in those who like do these extreme kind of endurance type events. So I'm reading a book on how to hike the Appalachian Trail. It's just written by a guy who's hiked it. And I may or may not do it a trail. Who knows? But it's more about there's a person who's walking 18 to 26 miles a day, say. Uh, sleeping outside in the worst conditions, has to carry all his food and gear. Um, that's pretty superhuman and a very unique way to be able to study uh, different people surviving in weird situations. Or not, It's not necessarily athleticism, but it's a very cool way to study you know, physiology or the human spirit, anything yeah. like that. Have so I think the, it's kind uh, of fun Berkeley to find these Marathon. random people out there doing that. So it's on Amazon Video? No. But... This is insane. So I have a, a coworker who's into uh, marathons and stuff. So endurance sports and this guy, it's so ultra marathons. So think about like a, like a tough mutter, but marathon. So, mm -hmm. so this Berkeley marathon, these people fly in from literally all over the, all over the world. And he has so many people apply. He has to turn them down, you know? And I want to say he lets like 29 people mm -hmm. in who he thinks can actually do it. And then one person who he, who he says, screw it, you're going to suck, but this would be funny anyways. And it's so funny. So basically it's, you have to do five laps <laughs> and one lap is 20 miles in the forest woods boonies of Tennessee. And all you have is a map of like mm -hmm. these woods and you get to prep for it for like an hour or so. And then there's checkpoints along, uh, along the, the 20 miles. And there's a book at every checkpoint and you have a number for every lap you do. So if your number is like 33, you have to rip page 33 out of the book. And then when you get back to the beginning, you give him all the pieces of paper. So he knows that you went to each spot. And then uh, you go the lap the opposite mm -hmm. direction. And people, so it's 100 miles, but people say it's, it's definitely way more than that. And it's nonstop. And it takes people, yeah, it takes people like two days to do it. Gosh. You get like 30 minutes if you want after a lap to like just eat as many Cliff Bars and Gatorade as, as you can. And dude, these people on the first lap, they get all these thorn marks and everything and they're running in water so their shoes are soaked and they're one fifth of the way done so it, it is just crazy if you enjoy mm -hmm. you know kind of just consuming documentaries the berkeley marathon yeah uh if he lets me in what are you, what are you doing next year you want to run that with you know, me that he thinks it would just be funny so so I'm, we'll go to yeah exactly <laughs> Not to not Let's to give away it. the whole well, documentary. We can do miles. Yeah. He only requires for entry like three bucks, a license plate of the state or country they're from, and and like one year he asked for like flannel shirts. One year he asked for like socks, just stuff he wants more of. So if someone gets really hurt or if someone has a bad time, it's like, dude, sure. it literally just costs you a license plate and a flannel shirt, you know. It's not like, oh, you have to give me a thousand bucks and all this stuff. So just super yeah. funny, weird dude. I think you'd enjoy it. So uh, best purchase yeah, this past year. That's under awesome. 50 bucks. I'll check that out. 
So I think I already said, so I have a, a sleep machine, okay. white noise machine. It's made by Marpak. It's about $44 on Amazon. I highly recommend it. It's like two fans inside the machine, I believe. And I kind of like that it's not just like an audio production thing. It's really just fans making a noise. Um, and you can really modify it by twisting these two different um, gears on the top. So you can kind of customize the noise. And I think it works very well. And the other thing <laughs> is another sleep product. I'm making to sleep. Um, it's called Phosphatidyl Serine. <laughs> it's a supplement. And yeah, exactly. Phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylserine. But if you're not familiar with like, it's pretty much just a protein that's been phosphorylated. Um, and it's 300 milligrams. And that's why I take it once nightly, generally right before bed. You can take two or three. It's not a big deal. And it really just helps me get to a little bit lighter sleep. So I sometimes struggle to like get into really good REM, uh, rapid eye movement. And so it's just for some reason when I take that, it helps. And a lot of people have noted really good effects with it. It's also useful, I assume you're not into, I've done it before, is doing like two or three day fast. It's kind of hard I to sleep when you're fasting, fasting and it really bit, helps just knock me out for some reason. I'm a big, so I'm, I'm a morning person and I can't okay. work out on an empty stomach. So, and because mm -hmm. I'm trying to not bulk, but if I had to choose between like cutting and bulking, I'd probably want to bulk anyways. And... And it's not that I have to eat, but it's just getting that protein stimulus in. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's not that, I mean, this is a whole talk for a complete, like, we could talk for another uh, another 70 minutes, but. Um, oh, it is, I, yeah. I'm super simplifying this, but at the end of the day, it is calories. So, if fasting helps you eat less calories, you know, like, what's what's the difference between eating eating 2,000 calories in a 16-hour window versus 2,000 calories in a 24-hour window, you know? So, I mean, more, yeah, response, like more or less. It's a simple but, answer, but yeah, keep uh, going. Like, if you're in a calorie, if you're in a calorie surplus, you're going to probably put on weight anyways, you know? If you're in a calorie deficit anyways, you're probably going to lose weight. Because mm. people, uh, I'm, I, I'll stop myself. Yeah, we, we can dig into this. I, I think a lot of people just practice fasting, at least for me. I do it just because there's studies out there showing it can help uh, with any sort of colon or gut cancers and prevention. And so I do it, you know, two or three times a year, just do a three-day fast. It's not for performance at all or anything like that. I don't see how fasting would ever help yeah, performance. I, it's more just health span, uh, trying to increase it. It's also, I think, good to push your body to different limits. And it's kind of fun, like, going three or four days without food, just yeah, seeing I, uh, how your body reacts and I, how you change your mentality people talk about it and whatnot and even doing like just a one-day fast once a week kind of just to get that kind of reset button um but i feel mm -hmm. like so what's kind of the fasting and the nutrition and the paleo and the keto and all that stuff it's not necessarily what you're doing is that people like identifying with something if that makes sense yeah so it's not it's not the it's not oh, it's a religion uh, for sure not eating for eight hours it's saying that you do intermittent fasting you know it's it's not that hey you probably have to have small mm -hmm. smaller portions or maybe you should try to eat more vegetables it's no i do intermittent fasting you know which which is psychology and that's a whole nother rabbit hole exactly so as i was listening to this before i posted it 
I couldn't let myself not finish my little two cents rant about intermittent fasting, but Trey and I had to wrap it up because we both had stuff to do this morning and I hope he's okay with this. But so intermittent fasting, how I did it or why is because I was trying to cut a little bit and my issue is I just eat big portions, I guess. And instead of making my meals smaller, I was like, oh, I'll just eat less meals. So it gave me structure to eat less calories to help me accomplish my goals. Now, I stopped because I'm now into Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, and I'm trying to develop you know, some strength um, specific to those, to those uh, training modalities, and food is good. So it just doesn't fit my lifestyle anymore. And if you're doing it kind of how Trey does it for the metabolic and uh, endocrine benefits, and the chronological made that word up, but uh, then great. But the reason why I'm not the biggest fan in general is because people throw it around just cause it's, it's a fad. It's the cool thing to do where people don't really understand why or how it works. And because it's so big, there's so many, you know, people way smarter than me out there that, that talk about it that post free content about it, you know, and people just don't take the time to consume it. Like people, what they do for a living is read all this research and then package it up in a podcast, an article, a video series for your consumption. So, so that's my little two cents rant because people take intermittent fasting kind of out of context and kind of what it really is slash how it works. Trey had a really good point it has to be in line with your goals. So that's how I feel about intermittent fasting for performance, but Trey, he uses it for more of a a lifestyle, a uh, improving quality of life, more of a for the health benefits kind of thing. So people don't use or apply intermittent fasting in the correct context. They think, oh, I just don't eat for eight hours, or I just don't eat for a day or three days, and they they don't know the what of what it is down to a scientific level or they don't fully understand the why and why they're implementing it so that's my little two cents let's get back to the episode yeah we are it's a fun rabbit hole but we don't have time for that now i got i have things to do today so where can my listeners find you get a hold of you kind of see what you're doing exactly Of course. So on Instagram, I'm Trey Wow. You can follow me there. I don't do much on Instagram. I just post every once in a while. Um, yeah, I should get more active in it. And then on Twitter, I'm T Osterholt underscore three. Um, it's a Roman numeral three. I, 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 exactly. So I'm the third of my name, which is why I go by Trey. And uh, I enjoy Twitter. I don't post a bunch on there, but I do like comment on a bunch of people's posts and just try to follow. Yeah, so really if you're trying to, good trying to get in with the science in Twitter beef, you know, follow follow Trey Wow. Uh, man, we covered a exactly. lot. Anything you else? Know, some more scripted, some kind of just chatting. But I appreciate you taking the time. You know, helping me embody the essence of talk and shop. You know, just learning from everyone's experiences. And uh, I hope the listeners get get a little or a lot out of this. And uh, I look forward to our next chat. Hi, right, man. Have a good one. I've had a great time. Thank you so much, Matt. Chat. You too.
All right, man. Have a good one. And that does it for this episode of the Talking Shop Podcast. Thank you very much for giving me your time. I really do appreciate it. I hope this episode did a good job of making you stop and think and evaluate about the topics discussed. I'd love to hear what you thought, so please feel free to give me a comment, rating, review, like on whatever platform you're listening on. Let me know what you want to hear next. Hit me up on social media at Coach Big Toe. That's at Coach B-I-G-T-O-E on Insta and Twitter. Remember, we can all get better together.